This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Alex Ferrario in the studio to talk about your St. Louis Blues representing all things Jeff Burton and Jamie Rivers and uh, Jeremy Rutherford. We have got a crew in here. Yeah, we do. But you know, I want to start this uh, very quickly. Um, Saturday night. Mary and I had a really wonderful night, um, and I want to give a congratulations to uh, Abby and Chris Dwyer. Um, Jeff's oldest daughter, Abby, got oh, married wow. over the weekend, and um, and we, we, we went, and it was a tremendous time, and got to see... You know Jeff's wife Julie and uh, and and see the girls and it was uh, it was really a, a I mean a beautiful beautiful night um, and it was uh, just something that I know know that he would have absolutely loved. Wow, that's fantastic! So that's is that his first daughter that was married? Yeah, correct. Wow. Yeah, man. man, that's 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 got to be cool for you to be able to be at something like that, and very emotional, I would imagine, for everybody in that building. It's just crazy because, like, uh, you know, man, like at, at a thing like that, you know, where Jeff would be, you know, a master of ceremony kind oh, of thing, God, you know, yeah. like running the room, he would have still found time to go outside with Mary and I and have a drink and have a conversation yep. and ask how the kids were doing and you know man that's the thing about the dude that I miss so much is that like we work in a business of a lot of empty people man <laughs> like a lot of people that like what ask questions that they don't give a crap about the answer to yeah. how you doing they don't care yep. when Jeff asked he cared yeah and he cared about my kiddos, and he cared about how Dexter was doing, and he cared about how binge, you know, like, so it was just, uh, you know, and then it's also, too, just weird, and you know this, like, even though you have younger kids, like, as you see your friends' kids get older, you're just like, oh, my God, where the hell is time going Yeah. on top of it all, man? <laughs> like, I remember when these, when they were kids. Yeah. Kids. I was say, you've seen it from probably when they were, like, what, five, six years old? I think that I, no, I think I was... I was friends with Jeff and Julie before they were even born because wow. I started here when I was, tw- I got hired at the point two weeks shy of my 21st birthday. <laughs> and so that was around the time of the first point urge hockey game. Uh-huh. Um, and so I didn't get to play in the game because I was an intern and they wouldn't let me play, which I still oh, think is pretty lame. Man. Um, but uh, I went with Jeff and like uh, I, I did some of the practices and stuff and that's kind of when our like friendship sort of started. And I think like uh, like sort of the catalyst for that was, was Julie because Jeff gave me a fair amount of grief um, sort of in a um, veteran rookie oh, yeah. way to go. How you it know? works. Like, yeah. hey, man, you got to pay some dues here before you're going to earn my respect. And at first it was really kind of off-putting, man. Like, I didn't know. I like I kind of thought Jeff was a jerk. Yeah. And um, so it was uh, after I had met his wife for the first time that I think he kind of started to change on me a little bit. And I think it had a lot to do with just her liking me. Yeah. And um, and so then, like, kind of over time, man, you know, those first couple years that we worked together, you know, dude, he was, um, he, he, he was, you know, man, I mean, he's just somebody that I'd trust to ask questions and I would listen to his advice. And sometimes he was hard on me and was kind of a douche. But, you know, like, there was a purpose for yeah. it. There's you know, always a reason behind that. And doesn't that make you feel better of somebody who you know was trying to get you to earn his respect? And then once you got his respect, you worked your ass off to get it. Yeah. That like it for some reason, certain people you feel like, man, I, I worked for that respect. Yeah, yeah. You know? I remember, and this is so crazy to remember this, but I remember a morning that I was trying out for the morning show, and it was me, Jeff, 
and um, Trish Gazell. Mm-hmm. And it was before um, they had added a third member. So they were having auditions for that. And so uh, it was between me, um, Tom West, and I think there were a couple of people that auditioned. And Tom ended up eventually getting yeah. it, which was great, and it and it was perfect. So uh, there was a morning we or there was a morning a week that they always had a blues player either on the phone or in studio. And so that week we had Jeff Courtenaw on the phone. Oh wow! And I was so excited. I mean, you know, stomach churning, <laughs> yeah. big time, big time, <laughs> sweating. And so I go and ask this. It comes to my turn to ask this question, and I don't know, man, it was probably five, six, seven, eight, nine questions all wrapped up in one. And, and I look at Jeff, and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head, and he's doing that thing where he's like, come on, wind it up. And so like afterwards, we get off the air, and he's like, hey, man, you need to have one question, and it needs to be, you know, decisive and like, Clear and like, <laughs> and like okay, all I right, get it. I all get right, it. I learned, but uh, but Tom ended up getting that third chair. But um, that's when they kind of trade the shifts at the time were the morning show was 10 to 2, Les Aaron was 2, or it was 10 to 3, Eric Schmidt was 3 to 7, and then the night person was 7 to midnight. And they changed the shifts 10 to 2, um. Two to six, six to ten, and then they created a ten a.m. or ten p.m. to two a.m. spot for me. Wow! And that's where I started. So even though I didn't get the morning show gig, I got a full time gig. I got my first full time gig at what twenty one, twenty two years old. Uh, I was just shy of twenty one. Damn. Yeah, just shy of twenty one. That's awesome. And what was also crazy about it, my starting salary. It's so insane <laughs> to think back on this. My starting salary, and I was so happy to get it, Alex was $13,500. Hot damn. <laughs> Hot damn. I don't know how inflation works, but that's still wild to think about then to now. Dude, like, I was, I mean, I was paying the, you know, the few bills that I had. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I was certainly buying booze and weed. So, I mean, like, I was making it work, and I just go back and think about that and go, Oh my goodness, how, man? Like how? <laughs> 21 it, years old, $13,000 is all you need. Well, and what was my kicker? And here's where here's where it started to get ugly. Not ugly. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> but when I got the full-time job, they also gave me the Sunday night ritual at the Oz. Mm-hmm. So for the first 2 years, I did virtually every Sunday night where they where I would get paid $250 in cash. $250 in cash at a bar. <laughs> On a Sunday night, I very rarely made yeah. home with with that two hundred and fifty dollars. Did you get home with money? I mean, there were nights. Most nights I did, but I was definitely not as good about it as I could be. But you know, man, you're twenty one yeah. years old. You're you twenty two years old. You wake up Monday morning. You're like, I think I worked last night, but I only have twenty five dollars in my wallet. Oh well, dude. There was a day early on, and I could tell the story. We'll talk talk hockey. I'm sorry that I took this on this tangent or whatever. But um, there was a morning. Um, very early on in my radio career, and I'm pretty glad that <clears throat> I had the boss that I did. And I did the Sunday night ritual. Um, obviously, I'm sure got tore up from the floor up. <laughs> and um, I came into the work. I came into work the next day, absolutely still, just flying stewed. high. Yeah. And I think I smelled like it. <laughs> and I had my boss at the time sit me down and go, "Hey, I think it'd be a real good idea if you just went home and went back to bed and came back for your shift later tonight." He wasn't happy. <laughs> But he gave me the opportunity to kind of learn that yeah. thing, and that was Figured the last time that I ever one. did that. Because, man, you know, you just feel kind of stupid. 
Yeah. Like, okay. Well, it's embarrassing more than anything. Dude, 100%. Yeah. You're still young, so you got the party thing going <laughs> in you, but like, there's still the, the sense of responsibility that your parents planted in the yeah. back of your head where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm better than this. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be an adult right now. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 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 yeah it's kind of that moment where you're like, yeah, cool, but. You learned from that one, and you said, "Yeah, we're good from from now on, dude." And and like and plus two, man, it was just so, uh, man, it, just having a dude like Jeff there, man, that that has probably made those same yeah. mistakes before too. Mm-hmm. To also at the same time, you know, man, I mean, you're beating your. Most people are going to beat themselves up about that sort of thing anyway, but you know, there needs to be a little bit of levity there too, man. Like, okay, well, you did it, you got away with it. Now don't do it again. Yeah, learn you know learn I mean? from that one. So to the Dwyers, I say uh, <laughs> uh, congratulations, and uh, and uh, we uh, we had a really 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 tremendous time, man. That's awesome, boy. A good a good uh, prime rib, boy. Really uh, really set you right. Nothing better than at a wedding than prime rib. I'm sorry, like I'm sorry for the people that come up with the chicken, the fancy fish. If you're serving prime rib at your dinner. Yeah, you're you're winning that wedding no matter what. Oh, uh, dude. The, the I will say this though, the wedding DJ. And I am now. I I understand that I can be very dickish about the about the about the wedding DJ, but I mean this guy was straight. And he never played the full song. He was playing all these like remixes and like um like hip hop beated like like Motown songs. And I was just like, dude, this is so absolutely unnecessary. And then I I just get to the point where I, I, oh, I just, I, I start to, I start to become the dick. The inner Donnie comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just like, man, dude, this could be doing so much better. I could be rocking this room right now. There's, there's two things you judge a wedding off of food and music. And if one doesn't work, the, the wedding doesn't feel right. Well, and the dance floor was packed, so he was doing what he needed to do. I just, there just was not a sort of cohesiveness that I would have liked, Alex. Yeah. Inner Donnie sitting at the table with Mary being like, this, I could have played a better song well, than this one. Well, and then there gets to be the point where Mary's had a couple of drinks where she goes, shut up, okay? Do you want to do this? If you want to do this, then start a company and do it. If not, let's just have fun, okay? You're not at work. Be nice. <laughs> jerk like i mean that's kind of in a nutshell what gets said and you know what it needs to get and said. that's where the wives are it's most fun. important so when we talk about uh, uh smooth sailing uh we're certainly not talking about uh, this yeah. year's st louis blues but you know <laughs> man i feel like this is a continuation alex of things that we have talked about already that we will talk about more that you know man it's 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 part of figuring it out and a team growing is that there's going to be some inconsistencies and we've seen it the bummer to me not the Kings game, the, the Sharks. Sharks game. Yeah. That was... You know what's weird about it, though? So you played awful in the first period. Like, uh-huh. you just you didn't start fast enough. San Jose was a desperate team, and they brought it to you. That plain and simple, that's what it was. You did outplay San Jose in the second and third period, mm-hmm. though. If you look at a Corsi rating, it shows that you had the puck more at 5-on-5. Five five. You got beat by a better goaltender. Capo mm-hmm. Kakinen and just... He played his ass off in that game. And I I did feel like the Blues started to get to their game. They started to get those scoring chances in the second and third period. But when you get down by so much, it's so hard to get back in. If one of those goes through in the second period or even late in that first period when they started to kind of get into it, you may be talking about a different game because, Donnie, the San Jose Sharks gave up back-to-back games with 10 goals. So, like... You know you could get into that hockey game, but you couldn't break through. And 
you know, credit to him, yes, but the Blues didn't take his eyes away. That one goal that they scored, it was a body in front of the net. That's how you got to beat those types of goaltenders when they get into their groove. It, it sucks, and I understand people's thoughts when you lose to a team that's only got two victories in the NHL, but those games are going to happen. You're going to start off slow. You're going to have duds. It's how you respond. That was the frustrating part when you responded with a slow start again against the L.A. Kings. Yeah. But again, your second and third period looked good. If there's anything with this Blues team that we're learning, it's they can hang with teams. It's just if they have a slow start, teams will bury them quick. Yeah. And the Blues struggle. They still have not come from behind in a game yet this season. So that, I mean... So obviously, you know, one of the things that we've talked about here with JR before was, you know, you look for like sort of patterns and yeah. things to to sort of develop. How do you tackle that? Like, I mean, how do you tackle a slow start? How do you, like on a game like tomorrow night, when it is the day before Thanksgiving for the U.S. born players or any of the players that live in the U.S., yeah. and you're playing an Arizona team that gives you freaking fits. In an arena with like 3,000 people. That, to me, seems like an ultimate sort of trap game where you're yep. going to have your head in your rear end, and all of a sudden we're going to look at the scoreboard midway through the first, and it's 2 to nothing, Arizona. Especially when you're off for a couple of days. That's the part that's always a little worrisome. Most teams are like, oh, I get time to practice. But when you're away from it for a long period of time, it's like, okay, well, we got to build that energy up. There's no real right answer to that other than the players have to internally provide it and and i think that's the craziest part because everyone will look at it's like oh well why weren't they ready for this game it's just that internal motivation it's that when the puck drops i know the style that the blues play you put the puck behind the net and you go to work that's what craig Berube wants to see that game that they just pulled out the victory against the anaheim ducks they put the puck behind the net and they went to work now they pulled or they got the uh the goal that went against them, that kind of saved their bacon a little bit, and then they got that momentum once again. The key, at least, or the trend for the Blues this season that I've seen when they look like they're they're off to a hot start, couple of things. One, their passing is crisp. If their passing is stick-to-stick, stick, we're talking about a team that's going to be tough to play against. Mm-hmm. But it's the forecheck. It's the physical play behind the net. Not so much of the hitting, but it's having the multiple bodies on the puck. If you're not doing that from the get-go, if the puck's going in and coming back out, that seems at least to be the slow start. And the only way for the Blues to get out of that is what Barubi said after that L.A. Kings loss. He said, we, we have to look to our leaders when this happens, to turn the ship back in the right direction. And the leaders did that against the Anaheim Ducks. Unfortunately, they didn't do that against the San Jose Sharks and the LA Kings. Boy, oh boy. It's also, too, I think one of the things that has taken me a long time to really settle into my thick skull as a fan, when it comes to baseball, hockey, the marathon aspect of it all. Oh, God, yeah. You know, so like, the... I completely understand the desire after a couple of losses to be like, what the hell is going on? Freak out, freak out, freak out. I get it. Especially if they play poorly, especially if they lose to San Jose, whatever. I get it. But also at the same time, man, like if you are putting together more good stretches than bad stretches for a team that's rebuilding or in a rebuilding mode, then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Then I would think that you are on track, as it were. Is that, a, is that a dumb thing to say? No, no, I don't think so at all. I mean, Ken Hitchcock used to always do it. You segment the, the season. Ten-game segments is what you like to do with it because then you can kind of keep track of of trends that are going on with your team, how you can fix those, and how you build it for the next ten games. And I, I, I think 
for fans, you you see one game against the San Jose Sharks, and small picture is, well, you just lost to a team that's only won two games. Mm -hmm. That's terrible for your team. But big picture is, okay, well, let's look at the evidence from last season with this Blues team. You lost to the Arizona Coyotes, one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League last year. Remember this game, it was a 5-0 shutout loss. You followed that up with three more losses. What did you follow up that San Jose Sharks game with? Yes, you did lose to the LA Kings, but we followed it up with a victory against the Anaheim Ducks. And Uh then segment the other 10 games this season. This is what we've talked about, Donnie. You have the ugly loss to the Arizona Coyotes. How did you respond? 3 nothing shutout victory against the Calgary Flames. You had the ugly loss against the Vancouver Canucks. You had a loss against Colorado, but go back and watch that Colorado game. You played well in that game. You made a couple of bad mistakes. And then you follow it up with winning five of the next six games. So I always say for fans when they get too down in the dumps or too, oh, well, this team's awful again. Okay, but let's let it play out. Mm-hmm. Give it 10 games. Give it a 10-game look before you decide on what's wrong with this team. Because now that we're, what, 17 games into the season? That's two, almost two segmented off, Donnie. The trend that I'm seeing the most from this Blues team is that when you're trailing in a hockey game, you don't have that mental strength yet to get back in. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a growing pain that every team on an, in a retool has to get. And, that's, and, and even for good teams... That is freaking hard. Yes. But you know what's even harder for teams? Closing out victories when you're leading by a goal or by two goals. And the Blues this season are 8-0 when they go into the third period with a lead. Locking it down. And they've outscored their opponent 13-3. to So you've allowed three goals in eight games this season when you were leading going into the third period. Think of that. Yeah, man. Because last season, Donnie, you'd go into the third period with a three-goal lead and think, oof. We're not safe yet. You need to score another goal. Right now, the Blues can be up 2-1. That Arizona Coyotes game that they won 2-1, I went into that third period thinking, man, they're going to shut this down and win it. And that, to me, is a massive building block from what last year was. And if you're a retooling team, you look for building blocks. All right, I got a couple questions here. Um, when the Blues are not on, are you watching hockey? Yes. So you're watching hockey every night? Pr- pretty much. My wife hates me. <laughs> I was just going to ask so that my follow-up wife, question. Sorry, my <laughs> wife hates me from August. She, she doesn't hate me. She loves me. She she does not like sports from August until June. Because, first of all, hockey season. But she understands that because it's like my, my career. Your gig, yeah. I don't think she understands the grasp of like, football is my career, too. Right. Because Sundays, ah, football's on. <laughs> Thursday, football's on. Friday, football's on. It's football on every day. And she had the ultimate win because I try my two-year-old, I try and get her to watch football with me. And so I'll go, Adelaide, let's watch football. Football, yuck. I go, what did your mother teach you? What did she teach <laughs> she's, you? She's already in there, man. <laughs> but they love hockey and they love baseball. But yeah, I uh, the ESPN Plus has been awesome yeah. with this new hockey deal because you can watch almost every single game, which is really good to have. I mean, it seems like, and I don't, and I don't get a chance to check in every night or whatever. Um, but it seems like on any given night, you're looking at three, four, five games easy. Oh, absolutely. And it seems like you're always getting the good West Coast games. Too. So if you're wanting to see the Kings or Canucks mm-hmm. or any of that stuff, it it's really awesome. Yeah. Like, it's so awesome, I'm afraid of when they're going to take it away from me. Which I'm very worried about all the time, too, because it's like, this. good things don't last. Why is this such a cool thing? But, I mean, think about this. When, when I was younger, 
like when hockey games were played of other teams, you you wouldn't be able to find those. Yeah. So like when you're like as a fan, which this just shows you how in depth I get. Like you you scout other opponents. Like you watch like oh what's this team doing right? Or you look for for trends on other successful teams. Like man, what are they doing that's lacking on the Blues? You couldn't do that before. Yeah. Like you you would you'd get like a Vancouver Canucks team coming into St. Louis to play and be like oh we haven't seen these guys yet. I guess we'll see what's on tap right. for this. Right. Where now I mean you could watch from start to finish. And I just as a hockey fan, I think that's really cool to see the progress of your team compared to other teams that are having success. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So is hockey the only sport that you watch other teams? You know what I'm oh, saying? That's like, a good question. You know no, what I mean? Fo- like football, I do. You, well, do you have a favorite football team? No, I'm sorry. See, that's the thing. Okay. I, I lost when, when we lost the Rams in St. Louis. I didn't hate football because I I just enjoyed the sport. Yeah. I just hated the team, and so it was like, well, I don't have a team that I'm big on so it's like I'll just keep it wide open so then yeah. now it's like I root for my fantasy football teams so whoever I have is like oh yeah I'm a fan <laughs> of that team right now right on because yeah. I, I I can f- I feel like and I don't exactly know why but I feel like with baseball and hockey yeah I can watch other teams just fine well football too football the NFL yeah. the way that that works unless it's a crummy matchup Dead I'm, I'm pretty much in mm-hmm. you know like last night with with Kansas City and Philadelphia uh-huh. that's a hell of a Monday night game so I'm all yeah. in on that um but like but, the Steelers and Browns game like some, if you don't have some type of pony in that race you're yeah. not watching and then also too and I don't know if you try to do this but like so if there is a secondary sort of matchup on TV that I'm watching mm-hmm. and Mary will kind of be like Oh, we're watching X. Oh, good. So she's like my wife. Oh, 100%. (laughs) She tries to be as sweet about it as she can, but you know she's freaking tired of it. Yep. But, like, I try to be like, all right, well, this is a game I really don't care that much about. Oh, yeah. Maybe this is the kind of night, this is the sort of night that giving over the control of the remote would be a good thing. Oh, yeah. You got to pick and choose your battles. 100%. You pick and choose all of your battles. So, like, if there's an early slate of football games on Sunday that I really want to pay attention to, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to watch these. And then I'll take the evening off so we can watch stuff. Yeah, yep. But like, if there's some type of secondary game on on a Thursday night that's not the Blues, yeah, it's like eh, unless she's not home because my wife does hair and makeup and she owns her own business, so yeah. a lot of the time she's gone until like eight or nine o'clock. 
it's like once I get the girls to bed at 7, 7.30, it's like I got a window of about an hour to watch some some sports. And then when she's home, yeah. it's like, okay, cool, let's catch up on something else. Yeah, yeah. But there's times also where she's like, do we have to watch this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's, well, also, too, just wait, though, until your girls are older, and then you'll have three complaining that their oh, sport's on yeah. instead of instead of just one. Because that's where we are with Ava Dexter and, 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 and Mary, is because, like, my kids, like, they like to go to games. They like to watch the games in person. But like watching on TV, they could friggin' nope. care less. Oh yeah. And you know, man, it is what it is. It's all I- Disney princesses and cocoa melon right now for me. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen you've seen the videos, right, Donnie, on social media where it's like a dad that's that's sitting on his phone watching football, and yes. then his daughters are watching it on the seventy-two foot television, cocoa <laughs> yes. melon. That's me most times. My daughters are like, Daddy, Daddy, Toy Story. I'm like, Cool. Sit there with my phone. Like this, <laughs> and, so, but see, that's gr- that's great to have those. You know, that's great to have those options. I mean, because I, I got to tell you, like, from I mean, I know for my oldest son, I definitely did not have that option. No, I think I watched Monsters Inc. six hundred and forty-four million times. Same. Thankfully, that's a great flick. Yep. But even towards the end of that, you're like, oh, geez, I don't know that I can do this one anymore. You know, it's a problem when one character in the movie's talking, and then you are the other character, like in real life. <laughs> so, like, my Monsters Inc. Sully will be talking, and then I'll be Mike Wazowski. And my daughter, it's so funny, when with a two-year-old, when I do that, she'll be watching it, and then her daddy will be, like, responding, and she'll be like, Dad, how do you know this? She's looking back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, well, this is what happens, sweetheart, when we watch the movie 5,000 times. I'm so happy, though, that they're in a Toy Story phase right now. Yeah. Because that's one of my favorite Disney films ever. Oh, like dear. Aladdin and Toy Story were it. And so when they got into Toy Story, I'm like, oh, yes. All right, well, let's get into the weeds here a little bit because that's what people go to this Absolutely. podcast for. So, I mean, there's four of them. They're all freaking great. Oh, yeah. Do you just, is it just the first one? No, or I'll watch all four of them. Okay. The fourth one to me is the best one. Is it, it? I think so. That's that's the one that makes me the most sad, but I find yes. to be the most beautiful. Uh-huh. But then my favorite one is the second one. I yep. love love the second one with Wayne Knight as the as the um that the toy collector guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um and and then um Kelsey Grammer yep. was the grizzled prospector guy. The prospector. Like, I, I, Joan Cusack. Like I there's just something about that one that I just love uh, so much. That one was it's weird because every one of them got better to the point where I was like the first one not that great compared to these other ones. Which, how many times have you ever said that? Where, like, the second, third, and fourth is like, this is incredible. I think the the second one is good, the plot. I love the second one of the plot. Third one I thought was okay. The fourth one, the characters in it I, were as perfect as you can ask for. I yeah. mean, you got Key and Peel as the stuffed animal, Bunny and Duck, which yeah. just kill me. <laughs> Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom. Oh, dude. Which, Amazing. Brilliant. I get my daughter to say Duke Kaboom now. Like everyone should go, Duke Kaboom, Duke Kaboom. It's like, heck yes. So like all of them, it's it's so crazy because I'll watch first to fourth nonstop, but every one of them get better, which it's like that never happens. So when she turns one on, it's like, okay, I'll sit and watch this one with you. Also too, it's very crazy to me, man. Um, It's still crazy to me, even though we've been living in this time for a bit, but like, um, you know, we talk, you know, I grew up at a time where, like, when The Wizard of Oz was on TV or one of the Charlie Brown holiday specials or any of the Disney holiday specials, when those were on, it was appointment, sit down, in front of the TV, viewing. Yep. Because that's when you were going to see it that year. Mm-hmm. That's it. So now that these kiddos can watch 
anything that they want at any time. Like, I just cannot imagine what that would have been like. Because I started collecting VHS towards the end there, you know, so I had a little movie oh, yeah. collection or whatever. But, like, nothing like it is now. Nope. Like, it's just so... I don't know. I, 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 I think it's great for them. I, and I guess maybe I'm just a little jealous no, that I didn't get to do that, too. I, well, that's the thing. Like, so I... I grew up that way too, but like mine, like Christmas time was the biggest one there because when you wanted to watch a Christmas show or a Christmas movie, unless you owned it, you had to watch it when it was on television. Yeah. So my family has the tradition where on Christmas Eve, we watch White Christmas. Uh huh. And my wife and I have started the, the tradition where we watch It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas night. Uh-huh. So like Christmas Day in the evening. But the trend started with my family of White Christmas because it was always on on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And like we didn't own it, so it was like, all right, we're watching a Christmas Eve. Charlie Brown Christmas, it was only on a certain day of the, the yeah. month. And you then got you it missed once, it, man. It was it. Yeah. The, uh, how the Grinch Stole Christmas. When the cartoon was on, yep. you had one opportunity to watch it. Yeah. And now, not only is it if you own it or it's on demand, but they play it freaking every three hours on a television station. Dude, it's so crazy that you, that you bring up uh, White Christmas. I, and this is I, I I've never I've never really even had the opportunity to say this, but oh man, we're getting I, the, like Oprah Winfrey dude, stuff. Dude, I love Danny Kay oh, yeah. so much, and not only Danny Kay, but Danny Kay and Bing Crosby together. Yep, it is it, it's really wonderful. And like there are a lot of those old movies, man, <clears throat> that when you watch them again. They don't, they don't hold, hold up, up like that. Mm-hmm. That movie, to me, still just absolutely crushes. And it's just those two together were just so amazing, oh, man. Yeah. And like, and if you are a... And maybe you don't know who Danny Kaye is or Bing Crosby. If you don't know that combo... Just and you like a good comedy team, you got to go back. Oh, it, yeah. it really, truly, one of history's... Greatest comedy teams that I think it's kind of fading away as the years go on. How, how incredible was casting back then? Like, you're—I mean, you're talking about people who spent so much time making sure that the people that were in movies together had like chemistry together and worked well together, and like it was that perfect rat-a-tat-tat. Like now, you just put people together. Yeah. Like that's why I love that movie so much. The other one. It's a Wonderful Life for me is like my favorite movie yeah. to watch at this time of the year. Like, it's the one movie that I'll watch, and then for the next week, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a good person. <laughs> and then someone cuts me off in traffic, and then you become the a hole once again. That's how it works. That's such a wonderful movie, too, man. And like, that's a, that is a three hour long movie that I did not know was three hours until I'd seen it like 25 times. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it, it to me, it's, it's, it's so great. But then also, too, I will 100%. Um, I, I believe that, and I don't know what year it came out, and I want to say that it was 82 or 83, there was a particular Mickey's Christmas Carol that was released. Yep. That is... Now it's Disney+. Plus. The that It's on there, right. <laughs> yep. But then there's like also a Once Upon a... Uh-huh. And that's not the one I'm talking about. There is just this one old school... Uh, uh, Christmas Carol that is my absolute favorite. I will still watch it. My kids still love it. Mm-hmm. And that's one that will, you know, that will cycle through a couple of times during the year. But um, it's just... Man, it's just so crazy. I know. Because, I mean, you know, we're watching Christmas stuff. I mean, we've already watched Home Alone twice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you say that as a Christmas movie. Oh, it's absolutely a Christmas movie. Okay. See, my family, we, we hold this very close to heart, which my wife hates. I, I'm the one that does <laughs> you this. You started to already get yeah. fired up, Alex. You, you know what I'm about to say, too, and people are going to hate this right now. We will not watch Christmas movies until Black Friday. 
That's all right. And my wife hates it. So she'll like she'll watch them when I'm not home, and she'll be like, oh, yeah, we watched uh, a Hallmark movie. I go, no, we don't watch Christmas movies until Thanksgiving. And she's like, yeah, that's a stupid rule that I'm going to break. And I go, okay, fine. <laughs> but when I'm home, just make me feel strong enough to, to not watch Christmas movies. Dude, we have these neighbors that, and, and I am not even, like, the day after Halloween, November 1st, Christmas lights up, Christmas tree in the front yard. Really? And listen, I, you know, man, post-COVID, I have tried to, like, let people kind of, uh, man, whatever makes you happy. Right. You know what I'm saying? If, if putting up a Christmas tree is going to make your day better from whatever, man, yep. knock it out. But November 1st seems like a little friggin' early for that, yeah, man. Yeah, you just got the, you just got Halloween over with, man. And then it all, what also makes me, what also makes me upset is that uh, whoever put up their Christmas lights, it looks awesome. And there's, there's no way in which Straight, that I can, oh, dude, every bulb is pointed up. Dude, I'm telling you, I hate not, those not only that, but like, and I mean like perfectly spaced out throughout all over the house, like it is just exactly perfect. And if I try to do it. I, I will fall off my roof. I will roll off my roof. There's absolutely no it's doubt that about it. I'm going to have this big ass like loop in the front of my house. Like, oh, I forgot to <laughs> attach that to the roof. So, what are the Blues? All right. So, Blues game. Or so, Blues play tomorrow night uh, in Arizona. So, then do you kind of loosely know like what their schedule will yeah, be for so, the few days after that? So, it's Arizona, and then they come home Friday for the Nashville game. That's and right, because that's an afternoon that's game. That's an afternoon. It's a 1 o'clock game. And then they go to Chicago on Sunday for another afternoon game to play the Blackhawks. And then I think they play one more Central Division team on Tuesday. And then they play Buffalo on the 30th. Because Buffalo's the last Eastern, or the first Eastern Conference team that they've had, I think, in eight straight. So... Friday versus Nashville. Obviously, you've got tomorrow versus Arizona, and then Chicago on Sunday. I think it might be Nashville again, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then they play Buffalo on Thursday. I'm having, I, I am thinking of an idea that makes absolutely no sense that my wife is trying to talk me out of, but we have a mutual. But I have a friend that is trying to talk me into it. Okay. The Blues play in Buffalo. On February the 11th. Oh, yeah. Which is like a week and a half after my birthday. Uh I have got some uh, frequent flyer miles in which that I could turn that around. (laughs) My friend, however, said, hey, it's great. Love to have you. Stay as long as you want. But please, I think his exact words were, please realize you're flying into Buffalo in February. Yeah. And I said... Can you even fly into Buffalo in February? (laughs) Like, are there runways in Buffalo in February? Or just like packed out of snow? (laughs) I don't know, man. But dude, I think that would be awesome. That arena looks fantastic. Oh yeah. You know, like I would be contributing to my uh, uh, Pagula uh, Buffalo money. That's true. The Pagula fund. So, so that's just going right back into my bills in one way, shape, or form. Here's my only pushback with that. Mm -hmm. Are you sure the the Sabers are going to be good by then? I don't even care. You don't about care. That. Nah. Well, then man. that's worth it. Because you know, man, like uh, just as a, oh, as well, the Blues are playing out there. You said right? Yeah, it's oh, Blues. Sabres. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were just going for a Sabers game, and it's like, man, if they're not good, that might be tough. But on the other hand, that they also might have Patrick Kane on their team soon. So who knows? That's pretty much the logical landing spot for the guy, right? It's either that or Detroit. Yeah. You're, if you're him, you're going to go to Buffalo. But see, here's the hard part: he wants to win another cup. Yeah. Do you think either of those teams are winning a cup this year? I mean, no. I, I don't either. Like, Detroit, no. maybe. They've got a lot of offense, but their goaltending hasn't been great. And Kane, of course, would play with Debrinket. I don't think Buffalo's going to be winning it. I they, they think they're still... I think they're still gray in the goaltending area sure. right now. And I think they need help there. And with Tage Thompson being out for a significant time, 
I, I don't know. I, I hate to say this, and Blues fans are going to hate this also. I, I think Dallas might be the logical landing spot for him. If you want to win a cup, oh you go to a team that's already dominant. Like, look at the top teams. He can't go to Vegas, despite what people believe. There's no cap space for them. How freaking could there be, for <laughs> God's sake? Unless somebody's going on LTIR for the rest of the season, which, you know, it's Vegas, might happen. Might, yeah. But uh, he did the Rangers already. I don't think he's going to do that one again. Carolina, maybe. Boston can't afford him. So I think it might be Dallas. And then there's the chance of him doing Buffalo and Detroit and going home for one of those two. Hmm. Well, if you want to win, I mean, it's that's not the, Detroit, it's not Buffalo. No, it's not. I mean, like Detroit could sneak in, Buffalo could sneak in. It's the Eastern Conference. Somebody's going to get in on the back end of that wild card. But I don't. But if, they're not serious contenders. Yeah, if you're Patrick they're, Kane, a, you want to go somewhere and you want to go now so you can be assembled into that team come playoff time because you don't want to do what you just did, the trade deadline, because that team was in shambles by the time the playoffs came along. You know, it was so crazy to me, and I didn't even really think about this after the fact, or until after the fact, and I don't remember who it was that was talking about this because I would love to give them credit because it's this is absolutely not my thought, <laughs> um, but it was um, how the Rangers had put so much new blood into that team mm-hmm. at the deadline last year and then just expected it to work yep. knowing that we all know that chemistry does not just happen that way. And so why in the world would they think that not only making one change but two but like three big ripple effect kind of changes, why would they not think that that would take time for the team to settle in and all those sorts of things? Especially because it was top players that you were bringing in. Like, you know, Colorado, when they made, like, big changes, they brought in Josh Manson, a second-pair defenseman. They brought in Lekkanen, second- or third-line guy. But all of their top guys were in place. They knew what the chemistry was. But when you think of teams that bring in those types of players, Patrick Kane was playing in the top six. Vladimir Tarasenko was playing in the top six. That means you're shifting guys who were in the top six down to third- or fourth-line guys. And we saw it in St. Louis – Alexander Steen's one of the greats because he agreed to be that guy. Guys don't typically do that. Right. And just let some guy who hasn't been in from the from the start fighting with your team to just get the top six minutes now. Maybe there's buy-in about the Stanley Cup, but you know there's like internal things and it just doesn't work out right. I, I don't it amazed me and I appreciate when teams do that because as a fan base You're like, going for yeah, it. Yeah, what yeah. might like yeah. people will complain in St. Louis about when Doug Armstrong went for Ryan Miller because Ryan Miller didn't work out. I freaking loved when he went for Ryan Miller. He was trying. Because he was he trying said, to get us the goaltender. Yes, he said, every element of this team is a Stanley Cup contender except goaltending. I'm going to go get the best goaltender out there. But sometimes it doesn't mesh well when you bring in new players at the trade deadline. Yeah. So it's wild to me that the Rangers did that, which makes sense that a guy like Patrick Kane saying, like, let's get signed now so that I'm with this team for four or five months before the Stanley yeah, Cup I mean, run. it makes all of the sense in the yeah. world to, to, to figure out that chemistry, to figure out those kinds of things. Well, um, here's what we got going on. Uh, we've got Thanksgiving, uh, day after tomorrow. Alex, you're the man. I appreciate Thank you it, very buddy. much, dude. I am thankful for you, Donnie uh, Fandango. I'm thankful for you, Alex Ferrario. <laughs> um, but we've got a couple things going on. Jamie and I are going to be recording a uh, live episode of the Last Minute Blues podcast next Wednesday at Twin Peaks. You can go to uh, 101 ESPN to find out more information about that. And I would not be surprised 
if I was back tomorrow with another podcast. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. All right, but uh, I hope that you and yours have an absolutely tremendous, tremendous holiday. And for Alex Ferrario, Jamie Rivers, Jeremy Rutherford, as well as our buddy Jeff Burton, it is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.